Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he, he's talking about the mystery of the resurrection um, and how, how it is, how it's a mystery, uh, how it's beyond um, natural human comprehension, which is why it requires the spirit, uh, right? Even in 1 Corinthians 2, he talks about um, no eye seen, no ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men, right? Things that God has prepared for those that love him. He talks about the offense right? The foolishness of the cross. He talks about the offense of God's wisdom and how it's at times incompatible to the container, which is the fleshly man and its own way of um, calculating wisdom and reason and how at times those things, they're hostile towards one another. God's wisdom, human reason. Um, uh, They're just incompatible at times. Uh, And this climaxes in in a way in that section of 1 Corinthians 2 by saying, had the rulers of the age known what they were doing when they nailed Jesus to the cross, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Because even human wisdom, even the enemy's efforts and his own way and wisdom, uh, at times it's confounding the foolishness, the lowliness, the brokenness, the, the seeming counterway that God has about himself with which he works in the earth. Um, and he says this in Isaiah 55, I, I'm not like you. I'm not, I'm not like you. I don't think like you. My ways are not your ways. They're higher. They're other than, they're separate. My ways, my thoughts. And Paul is, is giving an exhortation here about the mystery of the resurrection. But he says something in this chapter, in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, and it's actually amazing. It's verse 19. He says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, then we are of all men to be pitied. And this verse has just been ringing in my heart um, as I've known, obviously, that we were going to jump on and we were going to be together this way in this live experience. And I just, I wanted to bring a quick encouragement. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then we of all men are to be pitied. This is what Paul is saying. Saying because our whole way of life and the hope that we have anchored in Jesus, not just again, Jesus as my homeboy or my best friend, not just Jesus again, as the point figure of some denominational sphere, not just Jesus as the the guy who endorses my stream or movement or who has authorized my brand or my ambitions, Um, not even Jesus as my own worldly, culturally crafted, humanistic mascot of Christianity, but Jesus as the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus as the rightful ruler of creation, Jesus as the one and only Son of God, the way, the truth, the life, Jesus as no man comes to the Father except by me, Jesus 
as the first fruits, the firstborn alive from the dead, the preeminent one, the radiant expression of God, Jesus, if this Jesus has not actually been raised, then of anybody that we should feel sorry for and actually pity throughout the world and the experience of life, we are the first that should be pitied because all of our hope would be in vain. All of our way of life and the way that we have given ourselves to him is futile, it's empty, it's hollow, it's bankrupt. You can't actually take it to the bank because there will not be any day or moment or time when God cashes in, so to speak, and makes good on his deposit, on his promise, right? We now, those of us that have given ourselves to him, we carry the spirit, the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a deposit, as a way for us to bear witness to the future and the fullness of every promise that God has made of him going to make things right when that day comes and the rightful ruler, his son, takes the place that God has established him authorized him and enthroned him that day is now but the fullness is not yet and we now groan we fast we pray we long we burn we tears with travail all of that because we are not just anticipating in an empty way but we are looking forward with great anticipation to everything that God has said to everything and Paul is saying if this is not real Man, then we are the ones that should be pitied. But we are not to be pitied. Um, because right now, he is working all things together for good to those that love him. He is working all things together for good. Those that belong to him. He is working all things together for good. Those that have been called by his name those whose lives have been aligned with his purposes, right? This is the great charge of Romans 8. But Paul is saying, if these things are not real, then we are the ones that should be pitied because there would be no point to the way that we have given ourselves to him if we are only hoping in him in this life. But there is so much more. And I want to encourage you this is going to sound so simple. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth not walking the way the rest of the world does. He's worth completely emptying yourself and giving over all of your life to him. He's worth it. He's more than worth it by human evaluation. He's worth it because his father has deemed him to be worthy. He's worth it because all of heaven recognizes the worth 
of this lamb that was slain. When the search was happening in Revelation 5, and they were looking for one who has been found worthy to break the seal and open the scroll. And they realized as the search went through the heavens, went throughout the earth, and even under the earth, they understood by the search, by the evaluation, the investigation of sorts, they understood that none was found worthy. And in John's weeping, um, the angel touches him and says, listen, don't cry. Here he comes. Here comes the lion of the tribe of Judah. Here comes the lamb that was slain. Here comes the root and the descendant of David. Don't weep. He has overcome. He has been found worthy. Um, there will be one on the other side of the end of our life where the magnitude of his worth will be known then. The vastness of his worth will be fully understood then. But right here, right now, we, through responding to the announcement of the gospel of the kingdom, right? That the father has chosen his son to be the ruler of creation and he is coming again and he will establish his reign throughout the universe. And every other nation, every other kingdom, every other dominion that has been known in an immediate sense here on this side of life, it will be deconstructed. It will be torn down. When Jesus' rule and his kingdom in the full way that his father desires and even Jesus has secured through the laying down, through the crucifixion and the grave, the resurrection and the ascending and the enthroning into the heavens, that he has secured this, it's a done deal. In that moment, all of these other kingdoms and kings and rulers and dominions, they will be deconstructed and there will only be one. There will only be one. But for those of us that have responded to the announcement of that gospel of his coming kingdom, um, we know now, we know now because the Holy Spirit is constantly jealously unveiling to our hearts the beauty of this bridegroom king. And right now, though you have not yet seen him in fullness, you have given the fullness of your life to him. What a privilege. What a joy to be able to give ourselves to Jesus, to be able to lay our lives down, to be able to live for him, to be able to count the cost and to consider Jesus as the pearl of great price. What a joy to be known right here, right now in this life to, uh, as, as at least in a local sense with, with us here and, and things that have been happening here. Um, what a privilege now to be joyfully conquered by the love of Jesus to be joyfully conquered and to be able to give all of my life to him right here, right now. Um, why? Because 
He is deserving of a people that would love him this way. He's deserving of a people that would joyfully give their lives to him out of delight and not out of duty. Um, out of what has been revealed and not just out of some weird responsibility in a way to avoid hell. Jesus is deserving of a people that would give themselves to him. And because we have the spirit and because the Holy Spirit bears witness to the beauty of Jesus, to his coming kingdom and how even if and when the rest of the world may point, may mock, may criticize, may tell us that our life is being wasted, that all of our devotional efforts and expression is in vain, that it's all empty, it's hollow, it's bankrupt, it's futile, it's false. While the rest of the world may gather round about and point and mock and criticize when they may joke, when they may prod, when they may continually um, hurl at us their criticisms, their jokes, because of the way that we have chosen to live this life. We know because deeply on the inside, the spirit bears witness to how real this actually is. The spirit bears witness to the worth of Jesus. Listen to that. He is worth it. The spirit bears witness to the worth of Jesus. To the reality that he is the worthy one. And that our way of life. What do you mean by way of life? The way that you have given yourself to him. The way that you have given yourself to him. Um, you will never lose out by giving more of yourself to Jesus. And he is worthy of every yes that he asks for. He is worthy of whatever cost must be considered. He is worthy of a people that have counted the cost. What does that actually mean? That means that you, th this isn't just some spontaneous, wild, immature, like momentary, seasonal. This isn't some just, ah, oh, well, on today, off tomorrow. No, no, no. This is not what that is. I've actually sat down somewhere and I've considered deeply the cost. Cost. with and for this bridegroom king, this beautiful man. I've counted that cost and I've actually given him my yes. I've given him my yes and I'm not trying to take it back. I'm not trying to take it back 
when all the thrills and frills and all the perks and benefits have been satisfied. I'm not taking it back when I feel like I've made it to the mountaintop and I've gotten everything out of the world and out of this life and all of my material pursuits and all of my worldly satisfactions and all of those vain things have been, they've been fulfilled. I'm not trying to take it back so that now I can do me and I'm not trying to take it back whenever he's not doing for me the things that I demand. Uh, actually, both sides of the spectrum have been considered because it's so easy to begin to live for ourselves whenever we're living in either extreme, whenever you've gotten everything you've wanted or whenever you feel like Jesus isn't doing for you everything you've ever wanted, where you feel like you've conquered the mountaintop and you're living with everything you've ever wanted or your experience is one that persists in the valley and you feel like suffering and the lack of abundance and all of these things seems to be your plot, your place. Um, But for that, Paul offers us his wisdom in Philippians chapter four and he says, I've actually been in both places and I've learned the secret. The secret is that there's a radical middle The secret is that it's all him. It's Christ that's in me that actually gives me strength and I can do all things because it's him that's in me who's actually strengthening me so that I can live the way that he's called me to live so that I can be where he's asked me to be and do what he's asked me to do Um, But what Paul is saying is that I've actually lived on either sides, what what seems like radical opposite extremes. But he says, "I I no longer require either of those because it's him. Um, Paul is reminding us that our devotion should not demand a specific context in order to be able to be alive and to thrive. Um, our devotion to Jesus doesn't require, it no longer puts a demand on a specific context. Um, well, I can only love you if these are the terms. I can only love you if you put me down here. I can only love you if I'm surrounded by these types of people. I can only love you if I have a certain political situation. I can only love you if there's a certain climate in my nation. I can only love you if there's the absence of issues and hostility and problems and uh, the persistence of trials and tribulations. I can only love you if, no, 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 there's no more ifs, there's a who. There's no more ifs, there's a who. All of the ifs have been stripped because I've counted the cost and I've counted the cost because there's a who, um, there's a who, and he is one that is worthy and we are not to be pitied. Um, even when the rest of the world rallies around and tells us that we're losing, even when the rest of the world rallies around to try to remind us as to why there is no benefit. Um, we realize that in the midst of all of these different considerations and conversations, the Holy Spirit on the inside is jealously desiring to continually reveal to us the fiery face of Jesus. And because you see him, you've given your life to him. We are not to be pitied. We are not to be pitied. 
Um, and I, I just, even in an encouragement, wanted to remind you, he's worth it. He's worth the tears. He's worth the hard times. He's worth the pruning. He's worth the conforming. He's worth all the processes. Um, he's worth the journeying. Um, he's worth the ups. He's worth the downs. He's worth the suffering and the sorrow. He's worth the celebration and all of the triumphs. Um, he's worth the mountaintop. He's worth the valley. Um, he's just worth it. Just overall. Um, he's just worth it because he's worthy. Uh, he's just worth it. Um, and in moments and in times when maybe you just need to get all alone by yourself and just remind yourself, he is worth it. And he's deserving of a people. Um, he's actually um, longing right now to be able to possess this people in the full way that he desires. Yeah, at the end of the age, Jesus gets a reward. Right? Think about this. And then we'll, we're just going to pray and we'll hop off. Um, we, we spend a lot of time talking about my dream, right? My dream, the things that God owes me. Now, maybe you don't say it that way, right? Maybe you don't, um, but you feel it. And at times you feel entitled to it. Um, and these different, right, entitlements and these different privileges that we may feel and the energy because of the way that God has come to us, he's spoken to us, he's revealed to us different desires. We would call it destiny. We would call it a call, right? We would say the journey into the dream that God has for me, things that he's made real, the word of the Lord that is brooding over my life, that he is jealously watching over, longing to see fulfilled in me, with me, in partnership, his desire fulfilled, right? So we get that. Uh, we would say that, right? We all have a certain sense of destiny, a dream, a call, a responsibility. God has shown us not just what can be, but what should be. And we've given our life to it. And we want to be good stewards of what it is that God has revealed to us. And so at times we spend time talking about the dream that we have that is yet to be fulfilled but we're in pursuit of it. We've given our lives to the alignment of it, the process for it. Well, let me tell you, um, Jesus has a dream. Jesus has a dream. And at the end of the age, he is going to be rewarded with what it is that he laid his life down for. He is going to be rewarded with a people. He is going to be rewarded with a bride. A company of people that will, yes, span over every generation. They will be from every people group, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. This company of people, this bride, this church, this people that Jesus laid his life down. He laid his life down. He laid his life down in order to secure the possession of a people, which is his inheritance and his reward, but he's still waiting. He's still waiting. He's been waiting thousands of years for the dream that he has to be fulfilled. And at the end of the age, Jesus is going to get what he died for. He's going to get a people. He's going to get a father 
or he's going to get a bride, a family for his father, son and bride. This is the dream that Jesus has. But we can now give ourselves over to him and become a part of this company of people. Right? Think about this. At the end of the age, Jesus isn't just getting a people. He's getting you. He's getting you. You are part of the reward that Jesus gets at the end of the age. And forever and ever, we will be with him and enjoy him. We will be with him and we will enjoy him. Uh, But I'll ask you now before we pray, do you enjoy him now? Do you enjoy him now? Do you? Do you enjoy him? Do, do, you, do you know this, this joy in love with Jesus? Would you say that joy is one of the marks, one of the brandings of your life? One of the, the qualities, the characteristics, it's what's notable about you. Would you say that joy is one of the experiences that ties you to him as a real person? Would you say that? Would you say that about yourself? Do you enjoy him? Um, because what awaits us on the other side of our life is joy in an eternal place. But it's not just reserved for us then. It's here, it's now. Um, it's here, it's now. Um, I would suggest to you that in any place that you are still wrestling with him for your own way, it is going to be difficult to enjoy him. (laughs) In any way, in any place, in any area of your life that you do not currently know, the joy that is to be known on the other side of being fully conquered by the love of Jesus and the establishing of him as king in your life, in any place that you are still wrestling with him and have a demand that is alive on the inside of your own heart, an area of your own life where you are wrestling with a demand for you, my, mine, I, where there's your own wisdom, where there's your own reason, where there's your own lifestyle, your own way, where you are demanding to be the architect of your own life in any place where this wrestling exists, um, I will suggest to you that it is going to be incredibly difficult to know the fullness of his joy in places where you will not let him be himself. Um, Because you can only enjoy him as he is and not your idea of who you are willing to receive him to be. Um, All of heaven knows his worth and creatures and elders and angels, they all worship him and give themselves to him. But have you come to the place where you have recognized his worth 
and in the recognition of his worth, you have fully given yourself to him. There is a joy, I would say, that can only be known on the other side of being fully conquered. Of being fully conquered. And then, after being fully conquered, we are those who are known in the earth as being joyfully conquered by Jesus. It's no longer I, but now it's Christ. It's no longer me and my, but now the joy of my life is fully known in serving your dream, partnering with your desires, and giving more and more and more of myself to you because this is what you are worthy of. Um, I would just encourage you, if there is a wrestling that is known in your heart, give yourself to him. Give yourself to him. Well, Mike, how much of myself am I actually supposed to hand over? All of yourself. That makes the conversation super simple. Everything about you. Well, you really can't mean, uh, yes, I can. I can, and I do, um, that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full, that your joy may be full. Um, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest from your own ways, rest from your own demands, rest from your own wisdom. Rest from you being the architect of your own Christian experience. Rest from you being the supposed master builder in your own life in an attempt to fulfill all of my dreams for you, but independent from me. Come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. And in this rest, I will give you my joy. That my joy might be in you and that then your joy may be full. Um, in any way that we're still wrestling, we don't know the fullness of this joy. But there is a fullness of this joy to be known. And he's not reserving it for the end of the age. You can know it here and now. You can know it here and now. You're not to be pitied. You're not to be felt sorry for. You're not to be one that seems to be losing right now in this life. Um, friend, it is quite the opposite. It is quite the opposite. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.